millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Hometown Glory, your unbeaten Spurs and culture podcast. I'm Charlie and delighted to be back on duty, thrilled to be rounding off Hometown Glory's famous five, Ash, Billy, Rosa and Tom. Welcome. Now, first a bit of housekeeping. Um, This week is the first of what we're hoping and no promises here as life can get in the way of our best podcasting intentions, Um, but it's the first of what we're hoping to be a new Hometown Glory schedule. Uh, with so much Spurs coming at us thick and fast, we're planning on recording twice a week for the next little while, with your first instalment dropping early in the week to survey the weekend's match and look ahead to the hot Euro, Carabao, League, whatever, midweek action, and the second episode to review that game and preview the weekend. Uh, now, we'll be on a bit of a squad rotation to ensure there's no podcasting burnout, but it seems everyone wanted to be in on this action this week, and why not? Um we are recording this on Sunday night, and it's been um, an incredibly lovely weekend. Even we've seen a goal from Delhi Alley for Besiktas. That's how nice this weekend has been. Um, it's also mere hours after Manchester United beat the champions-elect uh, and ensured that there are only two unbeaten teams left in the Premier League. Two teams, of course, that will be facing off at the Etihad next weekend, but we'll worry about that game later in the week. Um, until then, I want to talk about... Uh, I was going to say Fulham 2, Spurs 1. Spurs 2, Fulham 1. And I'm going to whiz straight over to Billy, you first, mate. I want you to talk about Tottenham Hotspur Stadium's new king, Richarlison de Andrade. Give me give me some of your, your hottest Richarlison chat, mate. Yeah, man, he was just so good, wasn't he? Like, I think the thing that, about Richarlison, as we've spoken about before, like, like his personality and everything, he's got serious main character syndrome. Um, like the way that he presents himself, the way that he acts online, everything about him, he's got main character syndrome. And what I realised during this game was that it's the first starting anyway. Uh, you know, literally the duo the Premier League has ever seen. He's still the main character. Um, he was sort of the one that was doing everything. Like he was everything was going through him. Um, he was pressing. I read that he did like something like twenty three pressures in the game, which was like double the amount of the other three forwards combined. Um, yeah, and like I know that goal counted for nothing in the end, but it still counted for everything to anyone that was there. It was still a very very special moment. And even though mm. like, he didn't score, his performance was enough already because he got the assist um, and. He's already built such a good connection with the fans in the stadium that it doesn't really matter that the goal didn't count because anyone that was there will always remember that. In a way, it's sort of so beautifully Tottenham as well that that moment just got wiped. <laughs> it's like I mean, such if a we did, glorious if we had, thing. If, and then if we had have like conceded, it would have been horrific. Like It would have been a meme forever and ever and ever. So thank Particularly God his, yeah, his, his yeah. celebration tops <laughs> off 
almost into the crowd. Yeah, like... I mean, nobody, there would have been no coming back from it for all of us, but they didn't, <laughs> so who cares, you know? Um, I take it everyone was pretty uh, enamoured with his performance. Um, Ash, how did you how did you love Richarlison this weekend? Yeah, I thought, he, I thought he was great. And I think like him being so intense, like Billy said, um, and just sort of like pressing constantly, like it had a real effect on the rest of the team. I know that we'll talk about sort of the general style of play a bit later, but yeah, I just think he sort of led the line really well. And yeah, he's just like a cult hero already. I love the pigeon mm. dog after he scored as well. <laughs> Any of the replays, which I'm very angry about. It's maybe because his celebration went on for about it's sort of two and a half minutes and then VAR on top, which is why I uh, led a very stressful um, set in my uh, stopwatch. Um, was one of those nerds again this weekend because it was another fairly stressful home game. Um, in fact, I'm not sure I even stopped it, probably into multiple days now. But um, Tom, go on. Um, I was just going to say being in the stadium, like it was a great match in general. I think we're like, almost getting back to our best, aren't we, after that performance? We weren't mm. quite 100% there, but I think it was a great performance, great to be in the stadium and really good to watch Richarlison in person and just see that vision that he has, mm. the way he can pick out a kind of flick or a trick or a pass. Um, the way he was linking with Harry already seemed really great. Uh, and he just finds space, doesn't he? He somehow is in no space he brushes off opposition players like that one where he ran past it to Harry, then ran sort of round into the box was just amazing. Um, yeah. And I'm just sad. Sad he didn't get, didn't get his goal. I mean, in the, in the, it was amazing in front of the South stand, that goal. And then him with his shirt off going absolutely mental right in front of the, the corner where I sit. Um yeah, it's it's annoying because uh, yeah, it would have been so good if it had stood. And obviously, that yellow card doesn't get rescinded either. Do we feel like when he finally scores, he's going to do like another wild celebration, or is he just going to be like, ah, this time I'm just going to dial it all the way down, like psych? <laughs> I feel without getting too sort of like again proper football man about it, like his work rate's unbelievable, right? I just, I don't know. I'm sure there's like a stat floating around out there about like how much he ran and like how much ground he covered. But I don't, like, I don't think we have anybody else who works really that hard, do we? Maybe, maybe Pierre, I guess, but somebody just that dynamic who's just going to work that hard. I just, I absolutely love to see it. Well, it felt like the first time we were really pressing from the front. And I don't know if that's a reflection of, Son and Kane and Kulisevsky and how maybe they don't press quite as much as Richarlison did on Saturday or perhaps sort of the the game on the weekend was the first time we've seen Conte really sort of have them go at a team at the back. I mean, we saw the first goal was a result of a really, really, really good press from Emerson, right? He kind of nicked the ball in the corner and sort of off we went. Um, but yeah, he just... I, I, I was really, really pleased to be reminded and obviously... I was very much reminded um, of this with that incredible assist for Kane against Forrest last weekend, but just how skillful he is as well. Because I think everything I read in the summer about Richardson was just about what a hard worker he was and he's sort of like a dog with a bone and he's really persistent and he presses. But, you know, we've got Brazil starting number nine playing for Spurs. And with that comes, as he, as we were saying, like, the flicks and the tricks and the fact he can nutmeg people like he did in the box on the weekend and 
he can sort of breeze round defenders like he did at West Ham with his first touch. Like this is a guy. There's a who's... few keepy uppies that are just going to like enrage <laughs> all of football. Rosa, please, please don't. That's, and that's I'm so disrespectful. I'm so sorry. That's awful. Um, Billy, coming back to you to round off our Richarlison chat. I just want to shout out again um, the Spurs song sheet, man, because the chant is catching fire as well. Like, and it's it's like it's it's such a good chant, and it's not the kind of thing that usually you'd hear in the South Stands. It's, it's a little bit complicated, but the South Stand got it going a few times throughout the match, which is quite unusual, really, to have like a player, a new player chant in the South Stand. Because um, with the South Stand, we you know we we stick to what we know normally. But um, yeah, I feel like the Kulu chant is already like yesterday's news. It's a bit of a shame because it's one of the best <laughs> ever. But the Richarlison chant, man, is 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 the one of the season in it already. So yeah, fair play to, again to Spurs song. She always putting in the work online um, and have making a real difference to our actual support at, at the moment. Big time, yeah, and really putting in a shift. Um, I want to talk briefly about the other um, full debutant on the weekend. Um, and Rosa, I feel like you might be soon reaching some kind of conflict of the heart when it comes to left-sided, uh, left-sided centre-backs. This podcast, of course, is sort of based really on, you know, the, the, the sort of bedrock of everything we do forms around your, your love for Ben Davies. And we know this, all our listeners know this, but Clement Longley put in one of the most sort of accomplished, known sort of just quietly excellent uh, performances, debuts from a from a defender I can really remember in a Spurs shirt. He was pretty flawless. His passing was gorgeous. Positionally, I can't remember him doing anything wrong. Um, what did you make of him? Yeah, all of that is just like poetry to me, to be honest. I will, yeah, it was always going to be pretty tricky for me. Although I will say at the beginning when we did our sort of season preview and it was like who are you looking forward to seeing? And I feel like I did, even though I did say, I've, I think Longley might struggle, but I also said, I feel like I am, will probably love him, even though that might just be because he's French and he played for Barcelona. And to be honest, that may still be it. And that's still enough for me, but he was just very classy, wasn't he? It just seemed, you know, it's a real cliche, I guess, but he was, he was very like smooth. He was very composed, like great on the ball. And I don't, I feel like, yes, there is, I do like, there is now a French rival for my affections, but really in that situation, I can't, I don't feel like I can lose. And I feel like we've got enough games coming up that, you know, I get to see both of them plenty. So it's fine, really. Yeah. I'm really pleased actually. I think it was, it was sort of one of those weird because it's alone and sort of because we didn't really get the guy we really wanted. I was a bit like, how much is he actually going to play? And is it going to be that horrible thing of when he finally plays, it'll be that classic, like, oh, the Premier League's too fast or whatever. Mm. And it's just bypassing, but that just didn't happen at all. And in quite, you know, I know we ended up, it ended up being like relatively comfortable, but that's quite a tricky game, I think, for him to come into. And he just did so well, so... Sorry, Ben. Not sorry. I'm really pleased. I love the French. It's all good. There really couldn't be a more textbook sort of new man on the scene for you, could there? Just a sort of fairly swoony, cultured, left-footed uh, French dude coming via Barcelona. Ben Ben doesn't really stand a chance, I fear, but it's a long old season. Um, exactly. No I, worries. I wanted to talk a little bit about how long lay... Um, sort of added alongside um, Romero's return just a, a lot more fluency to us being able to build out the back and Ash 
obviously after West Ham, you know, I feel like Spurs Twitter was sort of ablaze with a lot of concern around our style of play and how, you know, well we're actually doing sort of with the ball, without the ball, etc. Building up from the back being a sort of big bone of contention. We looked so much better, didn't we, with with Longley and Romero being able to sort of bring it forward? Yeah, I think I think it's really difficult because our whole play is built like around Romero and like playing out from the back. So when he's not there, like you do really notice. Um, but yeah, we were a lot better. And I think before the game, we were like talking in the in like our little text group about how we just really wanted to play well today al- alongside winning, and we just did both, and we looked really comfortable and. I'm hoping that this is just like a sign of things to come and that we're just sort of getting warm now. Um, Cause obviously we've got like some really big games on the horizon, like starting on Saturday night. Well, we're starting on Wednesday as well, right? We'll, we'll go on to Marseille in a minute, but um, Tom, I wanted to ask you about uh, our central midfield. Cause I feel like alongside those two sort of left and right sided center backs coming back into the team, that was the most accomplished. I think we've looked in central midfield for, a while, a fair old while, right? Yeah, I was just going to say on Rod- on um, Romero as well. He it was amazing to have him back, and he was so good. But maybe like he should not get booked in the twenty seventh minute next time. <laughs> like, and it was on the edge of Fulham's box as well. It was such a stupid booking. I know he gets booked most games, but like twenty seven minutes is pretty crazy. I mean, he also got kind of spooked a bit by Mitrovic towards the end of the game I mean that you know he really got left behind for that I mean um, the size of him he can spook anyone Mitchell, yeah sure. and he is on incredible form and he, he seems like he's he's in that point in his career where he doesn't I mean he didn't get a sniff for like 80 minutes he wasn't even near the ball let alone you know causing trouble and then he pops up with that absolute you know how it's sort of a shot for the um for the equalizer and sorry for the goal that he pulled back and then he nearly then he did Romero and got a deflected shot that Hugo did brilliantly with to to level it. So yeah, he was he seems like he's gonna cause all sorts of trouble this season. So we'll let we'll let Christian off. But um Will we will we though? Because I've ooh, got to say okay. I all right. listen, I love all Romero right. and obviously it was incredible to have him back, but he did just literally back off him. And I don't feel like that's something that I want to see Romero do ever really and I don't associate that with his style of play at all it was very passive for him it was really passive and maybe I don't know I didn't I don't think I realized that he'd been booked already so maybe it was that but it was a bit of a surprise and it was quite yeah passive and a bit flimsy really sorry Ash you're going to defend him or back me up no I I was going to back you up um and just say because I think if Sanchez if Sanchez had done that I think like people would have gone mental and like rightly so and I think I might have got this wrong, but I think like before that happened, like Romero had done one of those moments where he sort of decided he was just going to play up front, um, which he just does sometimes. And he like went up front and he was just like, that's why he was sort of like lazy getting back and like just sort of stuck a leg out. Um, I still love him. I still think he's amazing, but he was just really poor. I, I'm with Rosa on the goal. There were the odd moment. There was the odd moment in the second half where we were behaving a little bit like we were five or six nil up and I didn't necessarily mind because it was lovely to see us playing with a bit of flair and confidence and committing men forward and showboating a little bit but you know obviously after they pulled the goal back and then Richarlison's goal was chalked off and we had another what like five or six minutes of added time it was like oh god are we going to regret being quite so um cocksure but 
it was all fine in the end. Um, Hugo, Hugo had to kind of make a couple of decent saves, didn't he? Uh, but yeah. it's also worth saying that Leno was had an outstanding performance in goal for yeah. Fulham. I mean, we had 23 shots, 10 on target, and Leno made some really, really, really outstanding saves. I thought he was very, very good. He um, was really excellent. I'm getting on to those centre mids, Charlie, because yeah, I know you yeah. asked Come on, them. I asked you about you 10 minutes about ago. Them a minute ago. <laughs> I mean, having Rodrigo back was brilliant. It, uh, it was Superb, I mean, wasn't he? He was excellent and we really, we obviously really missed him, particularly because Basuma had a real debut to forget, I think, against um, against West Ham. Rodrigo was excellent, just like picking those passes out, finding space, just like so um, good on the ball. And then, yeah, Pierre, like he's such an unsung hero, really, isn't he? Um, he got his goal. Uh, did that lovely uh, salute in celebration. I mean, for Denmark, his his assists and goals are ridiculous, aren't they? He's got he's get so many. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think it says a lot that uh, Pierre is basically been undroppable for every manager he's played under at Spurs as well. You know, mm. like Jose loved him. Every manager loves him. So I think I don't know is, is Skip ever going to be fit enough to play? Who knows? So. Surely Pierre keeps that spot. Yeah, Pierre's such an interesting one, isn't it? And I feel like that, I didn't really realise that his stats for Denmark were that good. Um, because, and I feel like we are probably one of, like, this group of people, we are more in favour of Pierre than, say, a lot of Spurs Twitter. But I still don't think of him necessarily as that skillful. But his goal was really beautifully taken. And he has kind of got forward a lot more. Like in my mind, mm. I think kind of Benton calls the one who kind of needs to be moving forward a bit more and kind of threading passes through. But actually, it, it sort of feels like I've I've been kind of looking in the wrong, wrong direction maybe all this time. And actually, that's something that Pierre can do really well. And I just don't think of him as that kind of player, maybe because he's got that kind of nonsense. I'm a Viking with a big red beard kind of vibe going on that he does love <laughs> and he like plays up to himself but actually he can be quite silky really right mm, definitely I think more so on Saturday than perhaps we've ever seen there are a few pirouettes there was a few you know gorgeous little moments in the center where he was taking people out of the game I thought that was maybe his most accomplished Spurs performance even in terms of all round yeah, I saw this mad stat about him that he's started 80 of the last 82 league games for us. Wow. Which is like, that just says it all really. As Tom was saying, like, he's never been dropped. He's very, very rarely dropped by any manager that we've had. Um, and, you know, we, we all know players that we've had over the last years that you just can't rely on. He's like the opposite of that. He's so reliable. And um, I do feel bad because sometimes when he misplaces a pass, I get really frustrated at him. Um, but I think we're seeing the best version of it at the moment. So, yeah. Couldn't, you know, absolutely buzzing for him at the moment. Um, perhaps someone else that we, you know, maybe do take for granted. And again, I feel like so often we get sort of 20 minutes into reviewing a match and we barely mention Harry Kane's name. And I don't know if that's just because we're so used to him being superb or, well, yeah, that basically. We're just so used to him putting in these kind of at least eight out of 10 performances. And again, I, I think on Saturday, I mean, Billy, he was he was outstanding, really, wasn't he? Yeah, and I know um, it's been getting a bit of chat today in particular because there's a really good compilation of him going around, which I really, really recommend that you check out. I know it's on most of our socials if you have a look. But there's this thing in particular, right, which made me just realise about Harry Kane is I think it's like 
um, is for the chance where someone hits the crossbar. Someone like proper fizzes the ball into it. I mean, does an insane touch, turns, and then drops like a over-the-head through ball in for Son. And I honestly believe there's very few players in world football that could do that sequence mm. of play. And like, if you watch his compilations, like the amount of things that he does in a game, which you don't really sort of notice at the time because he's so good at it, like... He's playing at such an incredible high level. Um, he's basically playing as a striker and he's scoring as many goals as he normally does. Um, his goal scoring rate is really high this season and he's playing as a number 10. And I think I said before in this podcast, like he sort of fused like the Pochettino version of Kane that we had and the Jose version of Kane into like his best self. And I think at the moment, he's, he's probably at the level that he's playing at is probably higher than it's ever been for Tottenham. Um, I know in 2017, the, you know, the Harry Kane where he was scoring an insane amount of goals, but he's influencing matches week in, week out. And I don't think there's many, if any, players in world football that can do what he's doing at the moment. Certainly not with the consistency that he's doing at Ebro. It's just like, it's one of those things like, we're never going to see this again, ever. Um, so we might as well enjoy it as much as we can because it's not ever going to happen for us again this good. Oh, that's really, oh, I feel a bit sort of <laughs> emotional hearing you talk like that, Bill. Um, but it also makes me think, because I know you were talking last week about one of our missed opportunities in the transfer market was not getting someone who could sort of, you know, like we've talked about before, pick a lock, um, play that sort of final killer pass. Do we, do we worry about that too much, given that we've got Kane playing like this and in this way, but just kind of thinking about, we, maybe we were just a bit too nervous because we hadn't really kicked into gear this season. But do we now feel like maybe we have and actually it can all come together and we don't quite need to worry so much? I think so much will depend on injury, right? I think if we can keep that front four, including Richarlison, you know, out, if they can all avoid serious injury and they can all avoid going to the World Cup and having some sort of like breakdown afterwards or, you know, some massive injury we should be fine because I think any combination of those four puts us in a really good spot and you know and I think encouragingly I thought Sonny looked a lot more like himself on the weekend I thought you know his runs were a bit more purposeful he hit the bar he had a goal disallowed there was that lovely pick out for Richarlison who did that beautiful sort of acrobatic volley that hit the post there was just a lot more decisiveness about what he was doing you know he, still, he looked more like Sonny right just he did. proper Sonny I feel like he was so unlucky not to score so unlucky and you know and he's, it's really affecting him and it's really hard to see and he, it was particularly hard to see because he came off on the other side of the pitch and had a really long trudge round um, the north stand to get around to the uh, get around to the bench and it was a proper sort of harrowing sort of head bowed you can tell he's so so desperate to score that goal it's a real sort of monkey on his back at the minute. So I, I'm desperate for him to get it because I think once he does, he'll be absolutely fine. Because I don't think, judging by how he played on Saturday, I don't think there's much to worry about in terms of, you know, his running anymore or him getting into positions or linking up with other players. It's just, just seems to have like hysterically bad luck at the minute. And I just want to say, I think the way that Conte is handling this whole situation is really clever. Um, I particularly think it's a really good move to drop Kulisewski first, which I know none of us were expecting. And in hindsight, it's actually a clever move because if you'd have dropped Son from the team, like Son's confidence would be at rock bottom. And if he comes in a few games, doesn't score, like it could be like irreversible damage to his confidence. But because he's dropped Kulisewski first and shown like faith in Son, he can now drop Son for Marseille, for example, which I know we'll talk about a bit later. And it now seems like it's rotation. Whereas if he'd have dropped Son for this game, 
Um, mm. You might have said it was rotational, whatever, but everyone in the back of their minds will be known. It's because he's not informed. So I think, and Conte is like, his quotes towards Son have been amazing as well. Like, I think you can tell from Son how much it means to him for the fans and Conte and everyone to be behind him because he's going to come good. Like, I, I don't have a shred of doubt in my mind that it will happen. But I just think the way that Conte has handled the situation has been really, really good. And I think Son will repay it very, very soon. I liked how Conte made a joke about how Sonny's not even scoring in training at the moment and that Fraser Forster keeps keeping him out. <laughs> Which, um, I just again, I think probably just speaks to the really good relationship that they've got where he can be a bit playful in presses and stuff. Um, Ash, I know you've been a little bit worried about Sonny. Did, did Saturday sort of calm those fears for you? Yeah, I thought he was great. I thought he was really, really good. Um, I usually sort of, worry about when he's not playing well, his work rate seems to drop off, but mm. he worked really hard and it was sort of really heartwarming, like him coming over to the South stand to take a corner and like, he got so much love. Yeah. Um, I feel, I felt like we had about nine corners in a row in like five minutes. Um, it was really weird. And yeah, he just, you could tell he was like very frustrated about not scoring. And yeah, it was just, it was just, I don't know, like we all just like love him so much and mm. it was just really nice to see. It's going to quite be quite mad lovely... to think we've got two strikers who haven't scored yet for us. Do you know what I mean? Like when that happens, surely, surely the floodgates are just going to absolutely open, right? Yeah, it, it feels like someone's going to get thrashed quite soon. Probably not Man City in our next league game, but someone quite soon. Maybe Leicester. We've got Leicester reasonably soon, haven't we? They could hopefully Arsenal. That would be good as well. That would be good as well. Um, I feel like the only positions we've not covered, Tom, are wing back. And I thought Cess had an interesting day and Emerson Royale, I thought he was all right. Like he sort of was his usual persistent self. We've touched on the fact that he worked really hard to nick the ball back for the first goal. There were a few sort of usual Emerson-y moments where Kane would do something magnificent, spray the ball over to him and then that would be about it. But what would you reckon? Emerson makes those runs, doesn't he? But his, his crossing is so inconsistent. I, and I think so, a, a lot of people around me were really moaning about his crossing on on Saturday. So maybe even inconsistent is uh, is kind. I thought Cess um, had his moments. I think he was very keen to get a goal. Like he had a mm. couple of shots, didn't he? Uh, a couple of decent shots and a couple of total sort of wayward ones as well. <laughs> Including um, pretty so much got, two for Kane's goal, he sort of had two quite wild swings at the ball, didn't he? Before it yeah, eventually he, found his way to Kane. Potentially, he was a bit overexcited, but I also get that, like Perisic at his age can't can't play every game. I think mm. uh, I don't think I don't think Cesc was terrible by by any means by any stretch. I also think, mate, like Conte left his subs quite late again, didn't he? He's, he it seems to be a theme this season that, it, like, despite the five subs thing, I think we were all expecting loads of changes on on sixty minutes because of because of the five subs. But Kulu I don't know about you guys, but there was a lot of there was a lot of like consternation about that in the stands around yeah. me. Like people were getting really fed up with well, I think watching also- Fulham bring on player and player, and then we were just. I, I by the way, I really enjoyed just one little thing I noticed was um, I know Perisic didn't come on first. And I think he was expecting to come on a lot sooner. And he was sort of noticeably warming up a lot closer to the bench than the rest of the subs in a sort of desperate attempt to like 
get Antonio's attention, it felt like. Pick me, boss, Until... pick me. <laughs> it was like, he just kept looking over every time the ball went out of play. He was like, sort of trying to take his top off. I, I really loved that. Where I was, there was a lot of moaning about us getting subs on because uh, I also think the big worry was that the subs coming on for Fulham were Dan James, William and Vinicius. And when... Uh, Fulham scored I just couldn't see any other conclusion other than Vinicius getting a getting some sort of header and off uh, a William corner or something yeah Yeah, exactly Um, so I think that was part of the frustration they were making Mm. subs players who had grudges against (laughs) us Can I just talk about that, the sort of late subs thing? Because I don't, maybe it didn't quite work out this way on Saturday, but watching the Wolves game was really interesting because obviously we were one nil up and they made all of their changes, right? I think possibly before Conte had even made one. And to me, that looked like brilliant management because it was Conte just basically saying, okay, you can make all of your changes, but we are still winning this game. Mm. And it's something you, I guess you can only do when you are already winning, but he played that so well because they were forced to make all of their changes. And then he was like, okay, well now you've, you've played all your cards. And so now I'm going to make my changes that will counteract all of the changes you've made. So actually, I don't know if it worked quite that way against Fulham, but it definitely worked that way against Wolves because I know even though we only won 1-0, we were very comfortable towards the end. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, you can kind of figure out what their move is and then, yeah, make your move sort of accordingly. I just felt like we needed some fresher legs. And I was just also mindful of Marseille on Wednesday and perhaps... You know, you don't want everyone sort of running themselves into the ground, but it all worked out fine. Um, anyone else got anything to add on our sort of weird, edgy, but actually quite comfortable victory over Fulham? No. I've got one more thing, which is that Kane's goal. I just, I love that. I love those. kind. Was it Kane's goal? Yeah, I love those kind of goals where like the ball just keeps pinging back out <laughs> and the defence is trying to desperately get rid of it. And it, but it just kept hitting one of our players. And I was like, a goal's definitely going to happen here. And it did. I just find it very satisfying where, you know, the other defence is really trying to get rid of it and it keeps coming back and there's nothing they can do about it. I also have a very quick moan and it's just like time wasting. Because Fulham killed the game in the first half. Like, like not just the goal kicks, but like fake injuries. Mm. And then every time it happened, the like coaching staff would like call the entire team over for a water break. <laughs> um, and it just drives me completely mad. Like, especially when you pay to go to a game, it just drives me con- completely insane. So I just want to moan about that very quickly. It was crazy how... It was crazy how early in the game they were doing it. They were time wasting like twenty minutes in. Like their right back, their right back got booked in the first half. For time, yeah. like, I've never. I don't think I've seen an outfield player. I've seen a goalkeeper maybe. Ben Foster probably got booked for time wasting in the first half once upon a time. But for an outfield player to get booked for time wasting, taking a free kick in the first half of a match is. I don't think I've ever uh, seen yeah. that. Kind of impressive. Um. One other impressive thing I did like, nothing to do with the actual match, but I enjoyed the big screen out in the um, sort of parky bit outside the South Stand. Um, I feel like I was at sort of V Festival in like 1999 or something. Sort of not that good yet out there. Like they could do with a few extra, like the queue for the bar was insane. Even your Pim's little truck thing, Tom, the queue was outrageous. I can't Um, even mention the Pim's truck. See, see, what, see what's happened. 
It needs, they're doing it. They definitely need more food and uh, food stands and bars out there because it's such a big space. You could put yeah, tons, tons of stuff in there. And I'm disappointed that even the Pims bar was, was uh, teeming with people. People heard the podcast. They, they yeah. heard about the pint of Pims for 11 quid. Uh, <laughs> they went, no fruit either. Sorry. Podcast and it still didn't the stop pit. them. They still went didn't for it. Stop them. <laughs> Such that we really are the podcast for the people, aren't we? <laughs> I um, and also Tom, there was no, there was no Beaver Town. It was just well, Heineken. That's, well, that's why you've got to go to the Pims Bar because the only oh. beer they're serving in that South Stand bit is really gassy Heineken as well. Okay, right. Okay, I think so you can get a Guinness. A no-brainer. I think you can get a Guinness as well. Okay, so yeah, sort of encouraging steps, Tottenham, but add a few more things. It was like literally all you could eat was like a venison burger or some chicken. And yes, yeah, some Pims or a gassy Heineken with like what felt like thousands of people ready to spend the afternoon sort of out there. But Billy, it is, it is getting better, isn't it? Like the whole sort of vibe around the stadium. You were you were very impressed when we were chatting earlier. Yeah, man. I just think like it, we take it again, take it for granted, like how good the match day is experienced that is at Tottenham. Obviously, nothing will ever replace White Hart Lane. Um, but you take it for granted the fact that you can actually leave the stadium at half time and go back in. Like, I don't, to my knowledge, that's the only place. Or, or can you believe? Or, yeah, or you can find it to your detriment. <laughs> you might not even go back in in the end. But I don't think there's any other, as far as I know, there's no other stadium in the country and Premier League anywhere that you can do that. Um, yeah. So I just want to shout out that they, they, I do think they really are trying to make the match day experience as best uh, in, in football. And I think they could succeed now at the moment. Like the stadium, it's just like they keep adding more and they're not like less rested on their laurels or anything. They keep adding more and more features. And I think eventually that sort of south stand outside bit, it's a shame that it's coming into winter and autumn and winter that is sort of really kicking off. I think next summer, mm. like that big screen, like pre-match games before and stuff would be, it's going to be a bit of a vibe in there, I think. Um, hopefully it's going to be a vibe on Wednesday when we move on to our first Champions League game since the almost entirely forgotten 2019 European campaign and that miserable defeat out in Leipzig. That was, of course, our last Champions League match. Um, it'll hopefully be very different vibes as we face Marseille in our opening game in Group D. Um, now, we were all sort of high-fiving each other quietly after the draw. You know, we missed loads of the big guns, etc. But Rosa is here with some sobering news, everyone, on Group D. Yeah, I hate to tell you guys, actually, Charlie, I think it was you that called it this, is that we have stumbled into the accidental group of death. So <laughs> Marseille, um, our joint top of Liga, uh, I believe Frankfurt beat Leipzig, uh, infamous Leipzig, 4-0 at the weekend. Uh, Lisbon are, you know, bouncing around in about eighth, I think. So that's not so bad, but it looks slightly more worrying than we'd initially thought. And I... I, I said originally, didn't I? I was like, I'd quite like to get Marseille in Champions League. And now I'm like heartily regretting it, especially as I sort of did my cursory research and realised that Alexis Sanchez is their top scorer. And I mean, we obviously, as Tom touched on, we negotiated a potentially dodgy meeting with the football narrative gods when we watched Willian, Dan James and uh, Carlos Vinicius come on for Fulham on the weekend. Marseille, it's like overdrive with that shit. They have the following players on their book. So Alexis Sanchez, as Rosa mentioned, is their top goal scorer this season. Driving their midfield is uh, Gwen Doozy, formerly of Arsenal, of course, who 
I seem to remember getting very het up during North London derbies. They've got Nuno Tavares, that slightly erratic left back from Arsenal on loan. They've got another former Arsenal left back in Sayed Kalashnak. Then they've got Payet as well, of course, now 35, formerly of West Ham. They've moving through the Premier League. They've got Eric Bailly of Man United on loan. They've got that under Turkish bloke that was at Leicester. They've got Jordan Veratu, who was at Aston Villa. So it feels like there's a whole host of sort of a weird rogues gallery of former Premier League players, some of whom, well, four of whom played for Arsenal that could do something. Um, but and Paolo Lopez, right? Oh, of course. How did I forget Paolo Lopez? <laughs> Mainly because he never actually played a match for Spurs. But yeah. Paolo Lopez is their number one. Yeah, so Nailed on to like rebuff any and all attempts on goal we make. <laughs> a Tim Krull-esque performance, I fear, in yeah. the post. inevitable. Um, anyway, we shouldn't sort of strip any joy from our return to the Champions League out before we've even heard the music. Um, Ash, you're excited, right? And we, sh- or despite the sort of uh, terrified nature of that little segment you're confident yeah I'm very confident like not just about like the game but just like getting out of the group and like going very deep in the Champions League I think the Premier League is just like so much stronger than these other leagues now and I think when you've got like Nottingham Forest having like a higher net spend than like La Liga and all these other leagues combined you've got to expect to go really far and then who knows what happens but I think we'll be fine. And I'm like really excited to just like have those nights back mm. like at White Hart Lane. It's going to be great. And yeah, we deserve it. I don't want to say by the, by the end of our champion, our first sort of sustained Champions League odyssey, we, we were taking it for granted, but definitely that campaign I mentioned, you know, where we lost Poch and then Mourinho sort of picked up the baton and we scraped out the group and then just got sort of roundly dismissed by Leipzig. The Champions League felt quite, not miserable, but it was just there was no fun to it by that point after the after the you know getting to the final the previous summer. Whereas I feel like now my excitement for it is so renewed. Partly, I suppose, because we you know we beat Arsenal to get there back in May. But Billy, you you're buzzing, right? I mean, this is going to be so much fun on Wednesday. Yeah, of course, man. I just I can't wait to hear the music again and everything. Um, it's one of those things where it's, it, you don't realise you've got it until it's gone. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Like, I think the atmosphere on Wednesday is going to be insane as well because if you remember like the, the few Champions League games that we had, particularly like the Ajax and the Man City in the, in the first season we were in the stadium, like, you just can't beat Tottenham in an all-white kit in Europe, in the stadium, at home in Champions League. Like, nothing beats it. It's just the best. I can't wait. And I think I don't think it's going to be an easy game at all, but... You know, you know, we can't really be expecting to be a serious club in the Champions League without beating Marseille at home. So, you know, bring it on then. The atmosphere, I imagine as well, with the Marseille fans in is going to be wild. And also, I would say everyone on the high road coming up, keep your wits about you, don't do anything silly because uh, it can get a little bit tasty, I hear, with the Marseille lot. Uh, I am uh, concerned about uh, that kind of rogues gallery of um, ex-Premier League uh, players, particularly Pyatt, obviously, because, you know, the West Ham thing, you know, my we- my West Ham thing. Um, but yeah, like, like others have said, I am just buzzing to hear the song. I am just going to lose it when I hear the song, uh, famously or kind of... Um, uh, trivia wise composed by a bloke from Croydon 
uh, where I, uh, I now live near there. So a guy called Tony from Croydon did the theme. Uh, I think he's quite well known. He's not like just some random Tony. Uh, and also, it don't, isn't there usually like some fuck off light show as well? Like what are those night games, whatever, they just stick Levy on the lights and he just goes wild. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm buzzing. I'm just buzzing for the occasion. Uh, so don't let us down. Can I put your mind a little bit at rest about um, Payet? Because I think he's actually injured currently. Thank God. So that's just a little, you know, one strand of the narrative we don't have to worry about right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm absolutely buzzing. We had a terrible hangover the last time we were in Champions League because there was nothing like that run to the final and then the final itself, which I'll be bitter mm. about till, till the day I die. And then... But being out of it is terrible. I hate Europa. The conference is even worse. You're right, Charlie. The way we did it, being Arsenal to get in, there's there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And you're right. And as well, you're right, Ash, that you've got to be beating. Like, if you can't kind of get it together to beat Marseille at home, then what's the point? But I feel like it'll just be, it'll be so interesting, won't it, to see which way it goes because Conte doesn't have the best record in Europe. Mm. But, but, the league here is so strong. So it kind of could go, it could go so many different ways, right? We could just get completely humiliated or we could kind of top the group and just like be incredible. So it's just, it feels like it's all sort of on a knife edge right now, but just, you're right. When that music starts playing and the light show happens, yeah, it'll be incredible. I'm not going, I'm very jealous of you who are all going to be there. Oh, Rose, you have to come to the next one. Um, I will be there. Just it couldn't happen, unfortunately, yeah. this week. But yeah, for sure, we I'll make you. it to one. Um, I've got a quick fire question for you all. For you all, um, who are you picking to? Who are your front three? Ash, you go first. Who are you picking up front? Oh, uh, Kane, Son, Kulisevsky. No, Richie. Okay. I think I'll start him at the weekend instead. Okay, cool. Billy? Um, I would do the opposite. I would go Kane, Kulu and Richie and then play Kane, Sulu, Kulu and Son for Man City because you've got to play Son against Man City, really. Um, yeah. But I, d- I, don't know. I don't know what Conte is going to do. Though. It wouldn't surprise me if the Champions League could just go Kane, Son, Kulu, to be honest. Um, okay, Rosa? Uh, oh, I think... Hmm. I think I agree with Ash. I think it'll be... Wait, Ash, did you say Kane, Son, Richarlison? Or did you say... I can't remember now. I think it's going to be Kane, Son, Richarlison. That's what I'm going with, actually. Yes. And I no, think so. No Kulisevsky. I think... Yeah. Mm, I think he might bring on Kulu. But I feel okay. like I feel like he'll start with that three. So far, you've all dropped a different player. Tom? No, I'm with um, I'm with Billy. So I think uh, Richarlison, Kulu, and Kane is a combination. I'm just excited to see. Plus, like Kulu, even in ten minutes, I loved Kulu on Saturday. His ten minute cameo, like when as well, where I see it, he just flies towards us in that second half um, in the south stand, in the corner of the south stand. He's plays such beautiful football right on the mm. line, you know, as he as he runs down the line. Um, and then isn't Son's usually pretty good against City, isn't he? Doesn't he love yeah. a game against City? So yeah, big time. Um, plus, I'm sure whichever whoever is rested will come off the bench anyway. So yeah, and uh, and Richarlison, you think will take that form from Fulham into into a game soon after? 
I also think he's just he's never played Champions League and I suppose this could go one or two ways could he, he could get a bit overexcited and do something silly and get wound up by Gwendozi or some idiot and get himself sent off or I think he could sort of have the game of his life and you know the match under the lights the atmosphere could just be that combination that's electric plus he now has to avenge the VAR goal as well yeah. So he's going to have to score again in front of the South Stand, potentially not take his shirt off this time but uh, <laughs> for a pointless yellow card. But yeah, he's, uh, he's going to want to uh, kind of make up for that, I think. I reckon, I still think Richardson might start on the bench. I think Conte might go with a sort of vote of confidence in the players that got him to the Champions League. So I reckon Richardson to come on in the second half, score, avenge the VAR, it's only really right that he scores his first goal in front of the South Stand after Saturday as well. So that would need to be in the second half. So yeah, I reckon he comes on. Um, okay, different answers from everyone. Um, I wonder what answers you'll give me when I ask you for the score. Um, let's go backwards this time. Tom, you're first. Oh, I hate, I hate being our score predictions, but um, 2-1 with Richarlison among the scorers. Okay. Um <laughs> for a second I couldn't remember what came before a T it's R so Rosa um, yeah I think 2-1 seems reasonable as well actually um, I think I think Son will score there, there you go that'll be his first goal okay good stuff I like that um, Billy I think it's going to be a really tight 1-0 win just like classic mm-hmm. Conte like we'll just control the whole game score one goal and then that'll be it we're out of there I think he'll just sort of Set up for a 1-0 and just, that'll be it. That'll okay, be who's good, scored? Who's, who's um, I'm going to say Hoybier is going to score. Oh, okay. Man on fire. Um, as fiery as his red beard. Uh, Ash? Oh, uh, I'll say 2-0 to Spurs. Let's okay. go with that. Nice and straightforward. Um, any notable scorers? Um, no, but I'm going to just say Emerson because it's so mental <laughs> that I just love it if he scored. Emerson in the Champions League is just a yeah. vibe anyway, isn't it, really? So that's good. Um, I'm going to go 5-2 Tottenham, just because 5-2 seems to be a very sort of voguish scoreline at the moment. It seems to be the new the new thing that everyone's really getting into. So I'd, I'd like a piece of that action, please. That came out of absolutely nowhere. I literally was like, what? <laughs> There's been like, every time no, I turn on the, the... Every time I look, someone's getting thrashed 5-2. So. I don't like your high-scoring score predictions. <laughs> always goes wrong after that so um, um i'm not sure i said f- who is going to win 5-2 i just said 5-2 um i'll keep it i'll keep it vague in that way um i can't wait i'm so so excited it's going to be such a such a lovely thing not least cuz um uh, linton invited me to have to go to tom's famous turkish with him uh, and and linton on wednesday so i'll be doing that which i can't wait for um, the garden house. I don't like. Don't alter. Oh, that, Tom, what have you done? Sorry, <laughs> that's why I kept it just the Turkish. It's, it's the best Turkish. Pimsgate, Mark Two, this now, isn't it? <laughs> Billy, go on. Yeah, can I just say I, I work on a Wednesday after school, so I'm going to be really late. So I'm going to I'm going to get there pretty much at like eight o'clock, if not miss a bit of kickoff. So I'm missing the only good thing really. I've missed the song. I'm missing the whole thing that I want to see badly. But at least I'll be there in, in, at some point. But I'm missing the fucking song, man. What is the point of that? Well, now that Tom's sort of slightly stripped the mystique from the Champions League theme by revealing that it's by a guy from Croydon called Tony. Tony, yeah. 
I'm not sure it feels that special anymore, to be honest. Oh, no, I've ruined it. <laughs> ruined Pims, you've ruined Champions League. Um, awesome. Right, let's talk about culture quickly. Um, we'll talk about Spurs women on our midweek episode because they are back, back, back very soon um, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, of course, for the opener against Man United. I believe you can still grab tickets and I think the sales are going exceptionally well which is very very exciting got loads of new signings to check out so we'll talk about that uh in the week but before then we'll wrap up with some culture um who's got some culture to talk about I'm going to talk briefly about a couple of tv shows actually before I pass it over one um I've been watching the um welcome to Wrexham uh Ryan Reynolds Rob McElhenney thing that's on Disney plus um, their takeover of Wrexham. It's very sort of Sunderland till I die, very kind of let's look at the community that is propping up this sort of, you know, uh, heart of the town sort of working class club. Um, it's really good. They're both very sort of engaging, likeable, funny dudes that do. Rob McElhenney particularly seems like massively, massively into it. Charlie, I've started it as well. And the weirdest thing um like they both come across really well i like um mythic quest that rob thing is mm-hmm. in the weirdest thing is that him and ryan reynolds didn't know each other i know this happened they would never like, met in person messaged a bit on like social media i'd never met in person and rob just went to ryan reynolds and was like who ryan reynolds obviously is deadpool billy would correct yeah. me if that's wrong i think he's deadpool i don't do those sort of films but he's got tons of money and rob goes to him and basically just asks for some money and goes I've got this mad idea do you want to buy rex it's crazy i just always assumed that they were like old buddies or something yeah I, I presume like they went to drama school together or yeah. something like because why else would you buy a football club with like someone you know like um, I'm absolutely un- blown away by this information. I also genuinely assumed that they were like BFFs from like whenever. Yeah, it's weird, That's isn't it? Wild. Yeah, because you see they film their first meeting. Like I think um, one goes to the other's sort of trailer when he's getting ready for something and they have this sort of slightly awkward first meeting where they, and I think they've bought the club at that point as well. So they're like, oh God, yeah, like how about that whole buying a non-league football club thing we've just done, eh? Nice to meet you. It's it's sort of fascinating. Also Does anyone fascinating. say, go, you lovely bastards? In succession style. No, they don't. <laughs> Sim- I mean, there's similar, there is a similar vibe at points, for sure, to when Roman uh, sort of looks into... Who does he buy? Do they buy, <laughs> they buy the, the wrong, wrong team. Wrong <laughs> I can't remember if it's Hearts or Hibs. Oh, they buy the wrong hips. one, don't they? No, I think they buy Hearts. So he yeah. <laughs> um, I love the guy who's called Humphrey, who uh, sort of gets, almost sort of starts to bore us. So he, this guy Humphrey, who's this English guy that is on the sort of writing team for Mythic Quest with Rob McElhenney, and he apparently sort of into football and got Rob into football. And they then just sort of use him as a kind of um, sort of he's he acts as a sort of mediator between the ownership and the players and the sort of backroom team, etc. So he has to, I, I assume, give up quite a lovely life that he's built for himself in L.A. to then just go to Wrexham. <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> I found that very weird as well. 
he's also he vaguely he's, knows a bit about football and he's like but he's sort of quite posh and the players all sort of laugh at him the first time he addresses them and stuff and it's and he's in, I, like, he swaps LA for like this sort of like broom cupboard uh, at Wrexham's <laughs> ground basically it's so weird and it's I suppose in a way he's like you know and he does seem like quite a nice guy and apparently I was looking into it a bit and he is very he's very involved now he's like the executive director he does this really funny, well-written sort of weekly newsletter um, that he writes for Wrexham's website, which is really good. Um, but yeah, I just would love to know if he was secretly a bit annoyed that he was having to stop just hanging around in Rob McElhenney's sort of pool house, you know, coming up with funny jokes for a sitcom and was instead sent to this non-league football club in uh, in Wales to sort of be taken the piss out of by a lot of tough footballers um but anyway i'm sort of revealing too much here it's, it is well worth a watch they're really short the episodes aren't they tom they're like half an hour so they whip through yeah i know that's the dream very, half an hour episodes okay it's very tom, tom thorogood approved yeah, 100%. Uh, it's great. 20 so minutes perfect uh, also thing, mythic quest if people haven't watched it is so 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 brilliant and funny we're about to start it just because we like we like rob so much you'll, you'll also fall in love with the character poppy she's amazing uh, okay all right, noted, noted. The other TV thing I just want to shout out really quickly because I've been yammering on for a bit. Uh, Bad Sisters on Apple TV Plus, the sort of Sharon Horgan, um, sort of four, well, there's five Irish sisters. Um, they're, four of them, their brother-in-law dies and they're suspected of his murder, still can't stand him, he's dreadful. It's a sort of zooms forward, zooms back, sort of comedy drama just really, really, really beautifully acted. Everyone's superb in it. It's really funny. Um, another sort of Sharon Horgan masterclass. Um, and Eve Hewson, who's the youngest sister, is uh, Bono's daughter, um, which I didn't know. And she is terrific. She's really, really good. So, yes, she's uh, another sort of Nepo baby, but she's she's superb. So uh, those are my TV things. Anyone else with any culture stuff this week? Um, Ash, got anything for us? I don't, but I was going to talk about Game of Thrones with Rosa. I'll let Rosa kick off. Let's do it. That, we that should little, do some that, dragons. We should do that little some show dragons. of dragons. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've all heard of it. Yeah. Um, House By the of the way, Dragon. I love, yeah, I was going to say, like, I love the fact, I don't know anyone who's calling it House of the Dragon. No, one no one's calling it the that. title, can they? Everyone's just calling it New Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones thing, the new yeah. Can I just say, I don't know if this makes me like a horrific nerd, but I do call it House of the Dragon, like very specifically. And I have also read the book that it's based on. Of course. Fire you and have. Blood. Of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so, so into it. I'm just fully back in that world. Like, they've got me back, they've done it. Um, I, like most of us, hated the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones and especially like the very end was just a disaster. And I'd read the book this is based on and it's so boring because he, because George R.R. R. Martin like wrote it instead of finishing A Song of Ice and Fire and it's written, it's this sort of weird pretend history of the Targaryen dynasty. But they've made it so fun and they've made it so cool and it's, I think anyway, and it just appeals to this... The sort of part of me that's like, do you know what? I'm just going to go on a wiki of ice and fire every day and I'm going to like look up Targaryen family trees. <laughs> I'm very, very into it. They've just, they've managed to kind of flesh out what on paper is quite sort of dry stuff. Um, I feel like it's really well acted. It looks gorgeous. The wigs are terrible. 
but they're always terrible. And it, it's Targaryen sort of wigs are tough, aren't they? They're tough. They're very tough. Like no one's really working it. Maybe Eve best, but that's Who about I hope, it. By the way, I hope and I assume we are going to see a lot more of Eve best because she's um, on the periphery a bit at the minute. Yeah, she needs a lot more to do. Mm. Um, I don't know, like, how do we feel? The sort of big problem for me, I think, is Matt Smith, who I who is acting his little Ooh. socks off, but he's not sexy, and I think that character needs to be sexy. What? And I feel like this is a problem. You're Ooh, saying Tom. Matt Smith isn't sexy? I think he's, he's very not sexy. sexy. Oh, really interesting. Okay. Oh, well, I also think he does a bad guy very well, doesn't he? Because he, him as Prince Philip... Uh, and presumably he's a bit more evil in the drag, well, you know. Yeah, he's plays. pretty, he's sort of, he's like a rogue, basically. Like the second episode is literally called like the rogue prince. But so, he's not good at brooding in this. I thought he was good at brooding. He is, but it's not, it's not sexy brooding. IMO. Okay. I so, don't know. I don't know how many people could look sexy in one of those Targaryen wigs though. I don't think this is. Yeah, it's tricky. Ball. It's not, it's not ideal. It's, it is hard. But yeah, I I'm, I'm enjoying his performance because he just seems like he's having such a good time. He's, he's doing just a great really job, yeah. like sort of camping it up, brooding it up, like just giving given... you just a few incesty vibes here and yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, his first scene is pretty incest, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? Um, um, do you know who is absolutely amazing? And I feel like his performance is a bit of a curveball. Is Reese Iffens doing his like best Charles dance impersonation? Quiet Reese, yeah. Yeah. The lesser scene, Quiet Reese. Yeah, it's very, very cool. More of that, please. Yeah, it's um, just great, isn't it? The dragons look incredible. It's like I'm I'm very up for them just like doing the whole thing, like four or five seasons, and then you know, going back and forth in Targaryen time. However, didn't one of the co-showrunners quit this week? He has, but he was never supposed to, he didn't want to do it in the first place because I think he was just like, you know, done and just needed to just like not do any more Game of Thrones for a while. And I think they just said to him, please join us. So I think he was only ever going to do a bit of it. And they've got like another of the sort of um like from from the sort of Game of Thrones like directorial stable to kind of step in. So okay. I think it'll be fine. All right. Um, Ash, uh, Queen of the Nerds, Rosa and I have just hijacked your pick there. No, no, no. Uh, I, give I, us, I, give I, us your thoughts. I was literally going to say that I was just very thrown off by the king kind of nearly marrying like a 12 year old in the show, which was just <laughs> really. Oh, God, we all just wanted to die in that scene. <laughs> Quite weird. I was like, I, I didn't realize what was happening at first. And I was like, oh, maybe this is like a cousin or something weird's happening. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is like a potential marriage. So also a cousin, though. So oh, you didn't get that bit wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah. Fine. So um, now he's just going to marry a 16 year old instead. Totally fine. Yeah, yeah it's his daughter's best normal. play. Absolutely Sorry. fine. Um, Billy and Tom, are you going to watch? Billy, I can't remember. Are you are you a Thrones person or not? No, I've, I've never seen Game of Thrones ever, which I know is crazy. And I will do it one day. It's just I don't know. I can never really get into it. And conversely, like just about to start Lord of the Rings. Like I started it on Friday night. Um, just got home from like my first day back at work, and I put it on. It's like I need to be in full concentration mode for this because this is like insanely epic. I think it costs a billion pounds in it, or a billion dollars to make or something and buy and all the rights and stuff. It's like the most expensive TV show ever, and it looks like insane. But I need to give it like my full attention. So I am going to start Lord of the Rings, but now nah, not a Game of Thrones person. Team uh, Team JAR talking all day. I team. watched I watched like the first 10, 15 minutes of the Lord of the Rings thing. And I just, maybe because I'm back in sort of Thrones world where it is all just like blood and guts and, you know, disgusting gore and underage marriage and 
stuff but it just felt so like light and soft and frilly and sort of a bit sort of wafty woo for me that I was just yeah. like, what is this nonsense I, yeah I, do, I couldn't really vibe with it in that first I was not in the mood for it but I am gonna I'm definitely gonna do it I'm interested to see how it goes um but yeah I do want I do eventually want to watch Game of Thrones just one of those things I've just somehow always avoided I'm okay. um we'll keep I'm checking a, back I'm not a Tolkien guy at, but I have watched all of Game of Thrones but I'm the opposite kind of Game of Thrones fan to Rosa in that I genuinely have no idea what's going on at any point. Uh, loved loved the last two seasons, the best well, ones. No, well, the, loved, no the, the final one was bollocks, but the- Ended uh, brilliantly. Watching the rest of it, the amount of times I'd be like, have to turn to my wife and go, what's going on? And she's like, you know, that's so-and-so's cousin from the house of whatever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Like, it, there are boobs. Uh, there's violence, like there's, it's quite funny. You, there's amazing, or certainly in the old series, there's like amazing British thespes. So I just kind of enjoy the spectacle. And I'm slightly worried because I've heard the dragon thing is a bit like deeper, like because it's the backstory. So I'm hoping there's just also like sexiness and violence, although also incest as we've covered. Um, well, we know, Tom, that normally your vibe is very much sort of boobs, violence, uh, sexy stuff, which is why you love Euphoria, of course. And Billy, you're, you're kind of knee deep in season two of Euphoria, right? Yeah, absolutely loving it, man. Absolutely loving it. I'm going to watch it as soon as I finish this podcast, actually. Yeah, just what a show, man. What an what a show. Kind of reminds, gives me like Skins vibes, kind of reminds me of that. But just like, I don't know. Again, it's one of those, another one of those shows that I avoided um, for so long. And then I just watched one episode and I'm, I've been hooked ever since. Pretty much watched an episode a night. Um, and it's also got like one of the best bad guys ever because I fucking hate Nate so much. Like he's such a dick, and his dad is also the biggest dick out of all of them. Um, yeah, great show, man. Great, great show. And obviously, it's Tottenham related because Zendaya is amazing in it. He is um, hateful, Nate. And whenever oh. I see people post photos with him on Instagram, and apparently the the re real actor is Australian and like the loveliest guy, I think. And people post photos with him, and I'm like, get the fuck away from him, you're awful. <laughs> He's so like, he's so scary as well. Like he really carries like menace, doesn't he? Like, as is the dad. He's a brilliant well. performance. Yeah, his dad as well. Yeah, I mean it is again. It's it's so well acted. Everyone is incredible in that show. So horribly talented young people that are also just, really attractive. Can I just very briefly? No one's mentioned any music yet. I just very briefly wanted mm. to mention the new tracks by I Jordan. I just think like they are one of the most exciting producers working in dance music right now. And I think there's two new tracks, one called Hey Baby and I Had the Best of Times. And honestly, again, like house music is just so strong in the UK right now. And uh, yeah, that I, I Dot Jordan, the, uh, their new tracks are so good. Um, they feel like they're going to have a breakout year, I think. Everything I've heard seems like it's just off the charts good. Um, the other, quickly, uh, Stella Drifting by George Fitzgerald came out last week, which is so good. It's like a sort of, it's a bit of a concepty album. He's like this sort of electronic producer, DJ guy. Um, it's all about sort of space and it sounds like it could be really sort of crap and a bit too concepty, but just so good to sort of stick on and work to and sort of get in a zone to. So that I'm really, really enjoying. Um, any other music tips? Anyone? Ash, anything you've been listening to? 
No, all right. In the week, you've got to give us some because we're all we all I lean will, on your. I will do. Okay, thank you. Um, and Rose, is there anything else from you before we go? And Billy, um, I'm heartbroken that this came to me too late. But I was just going to say, if I wanted to watch a ensemble cast of characters with no real idea who they are, I'd watch Nottingham Forest play football. Hey, <laughs> I should have got that in a bit earlier with the Game of Thrones chat, but you know. <laughs> Nicely, nicely done. Um, and that seems like a very nice place to end it. Um, Rosa, Ash, Billy, Tom, thank you ever so much for your company as always. That was an awful lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed listening. We'll be back in the week. Um, enjoy the Champions League, guys. Billy, see you soon. Up the Spurs. <laughs>